This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. The Clippers choked. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What did I watch? What did I witness? I will say this. I sparingly watched the first two quarters. The third quarter, I didn't watch at all because I was watching the second half of the Mystics and the Mercury, which honestly kind of tempered my reaction to the Clippers and the Nuggets because during that Mr. Um, Mercury Mystics game, I saw the Clippers were getting blown out, and I was like, damn, bro, I can't believe this happening. But at the same time, I was watching the Mystics choke, and I was way more emotionally invested in that. But then when I finally did turn on the game, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. You could just you could just see how it was going to go. I mean, I could tell by the Twitter reaction. Um, I could tell by the Twitter reaction that I was going to expect the Clippers to miss a bunch of shots, and that's what they did. I swear to God, when I turned on the game, they were already down double digits, and then they just kept missing shots. Every time they took a shot, I was like, no, that's not going in. Nope, that's not going in. Oh, no way. Oh, when Paul George missed that shot, hit the backboard, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this this is over. Oh, my God. And then the dagger. The two daggers was this. Jamal Murray hitting a fadeaway three-pointer. I was like, when when it left his hands, I was like, Oh, hell yeah, that's definitely going in. Boom. And then uh, Jeremy Grant had that dunk to go up 20, and I felt the dagger. I'm not even a Clippers fan, and I felt that dagger. I was like, damn, this is really happening. I've been dreaming of an L.A.L.A. conference finals all season. Before the pandemic, I made preliminary plans to go out to L.A. to watch the conference finals um, to watch the Clippers versus the Lakers and be out there for like two weeks. That didn't happen. They're in Orlando. The Clippers choked and it's going to be Lakers versus Nuggets. People were killing Kawhi. He didn't show up. I mean, look at the stats. He was six for 22, had 14 points. Montrez finally showed up, but it's too little too late. Paul George had 10. He was four for 16, but people been ragging on Paul George. Like, he's been up and down the entire playoffs. And he has a history of not showing up in big playoff games. That was just, I just couldn't believe it. But then again, I should have saw the signs. If you actually think about it, game five, I noticed, like I said before, the Clippers, when they was giving up that run to the Nuggets, All they started doing was jacking up threes. And on defense, they weren't stopping anything. And the Nuggets were just raining them. And who knew that was going to be the theme the rest of the series? Game six and seven, same thing. After the Nuggets won game five, I was like, they're going seven. And I still picked the Clippers to win game seven, and they looked like they were, and then they just fell apart. I have never seen... Well, I can't say that because I was watching a collapse simultaneously go on with the Mystics who gave up 17 unanswered points. I'll get to them later. I've seen collapses, but damn, bro, that that was just another big time collapse. They could not do any. I felt bad. I was like, damn, bro. 
all this hype. You work so hard. And your season just ends like that? You can't make a shot? What? Wow. And of course, Lakers fans went off. Raquel, so, so beautiful me, she went off. Uh, OG Laker Dana, she went off. Um, Shannon went off. <laughs> everybody was cooking the Clippers. They deserve to get all the type of ridicule because that's because they played awful. They handled it pretty well. They handled it pretty well. Oh, my God. And you know who really came after them? Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They threw their Cancun jokes back at them. They deserve it. They talk big stuff, and they got big stuff thrown back at them. People talking about Fire Doc Rivers. I don't. I didn't think they should. I felt like they should give it one more go, and the Clippers agree Doc Rivers is coming back. I think they should give it one more chance. Why not? Let's see what happens. Run. Let's run it back. If it don't work, you got to get rid of Doc Rivers. You got to blow up the team. Why not just, let's just run it back and see what happens. Just saying. But congrats to the Nuggets. Oh, man. They got so many weapons. And Jokic was amazing. Murray, 40 points in game seven. After he he disappeared game seven against Utah and Jokic carried them through. But this time it was Jamal Murray. And Jokic had a triple double in game six and seven. Like, this team, it, people keep saying Lakers in five, Lakers in six. I say Lakers in six, maybe. It, I won't be surprised if it goes seven. I won't be surprised if the Nuggets win. Just saying. But at the end of the day, King James, Anthony Davis, it's going to be too much. And the Lakers, pretty good defensively, but the Clippers were too. Hey, we'll see. But hot shooting, hot shooting is there's no defense for that. So the Lakers better hope they cool down a little bit or they can play better perimeter defense. If they can do that, it will be Lakers. And I'm not going to say heat just yet because the Celtics were very close to winning both of those games. They may have lost, but they were very close. So they are not out of it. I think that series is going to go six or seven. I think that series is going to go seven. So I don't know who's going to win that. Just know that the Celtics will be back in the series. I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of the Heat, so like I said, they're up 2-0. Clutch shooting. Joy Taylor is ecstatic. I've never seen her talk about the Heat this much since LeBron. And even when LeBron was doing his thing, no one really knew who Joy Taylor was. I swear to God, no one knew. No one outside of Miami really knew who Joy Taylor was when they had LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh. We didn't really know who she was till 2016 when she got put on TV, and then she just blew up. I mean, a good number of people knew who she was back then, but I'm, I'm telling you, not not the nation. She wasn't a national figure anyway that that isn't important heater up 2-0 clutch plays clutch shooting clutch plays on offense and defense bam has been great jimmy butler's been great uh tyler hero is like (laughs) he is the coldest rookie i swear he is the most clutch rookie man oh my god i've always been sleeping on him man i I just never knew he was this good all these Kentucky guys, 
him and Jamal Murray, they, they went to Kentucky. And they were nice. They weren't Carl Anthony Towns. They weren't, um, who else did they have? They weren't really Collie Stein. They weren't Devin Booker. But still, those guys were really good. I mean, Coach Kyle producing some great NBA players. They're up 2-0, but the Celtics will. I think the Celtics will win three out of the next four games, which means it will be a game seven. Probably the Heat will win that, but we'll see. I, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Let's see. If we go on with the trend of what the Heat's been doing so far, this series is over in five. But the Celtics are better than the damn Pacers and the Bucks, So that will buy them another game or two. So I think this will go seven. So just buckle up and get ready for the rest of this series because it's going to be a good one for sure. Now let's get to the NFL. Let's get to the NFL. Um, Let's see. A lot of stuff went on. Man, week one was great. Uh, same old Cowboys. Got all this firepower, flash in the pan. Uh, they provide a little spark. Then they go cold. Then they choke at the end of the game. And then they lose. Always against a decent team, that's what happens. They play a decent team, and that that's what happens every time. If new coach and everything, same thing happens. Deke and uh, – uh, I said Deke. Zeke and Dak – were great for the most part. Uh well well Zeke was I think Zeke was spectacular. Um Dak had his moments, both good and bad. At the end of the day, they choked. That pass interference shouldn't have been called. I don't care though. <laughs> I mean, it is is what it is. You can't put yourself in that position. Uh they let the Rams dink and dunk. They let them run the ball with their three running backs. I mean, he lost. And I love it. <laughs> uh, Seahawks, no surprise. They just did what they did last year, kind of hold on defensively while the Russell Wilson just does Russell Wilson things. <laughs> uh, Matt Ryan threw for 450 yards. That's no surprise. Uh, that's how Atlanta is, but they don't play defense. Like they, those two teams were pretty evenly matched, but I knew the Seahawks were going to win because they got Russell Wilson, and when you got him on your team, it's a wrap. You have a better chance of winning. Point blank. Period. Let's see. Uh, Henry Ruggs got hurt. The Panthers and the Raiders had a shootout. McCaffrey and Jacobs had a great battle. Uh, McCaffrey had ninety-seven yards. I think he had another like forty or something in the air. Uh, he had a slow first half, and then the second half, he exploded. So he had two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs had 93 yards, three touchdowns. That was a good game. That was a good game. But um, uh, the Raiders won. And I'll see what happens from there. But that was a good game. Uh, Brady had two picks. That was the most hyped game of the week. And the Saints won. They look clearly look like the better team, the more complete team. I think the Bucks will win in Tampa, but they will play each other in the playoffs, and the Saints will win because they're just straight up better. They're just just better, and and that Tampa Bay defense is just okay. 
which isn't good enough to win a championship. They're going to have to add some pieces. So Marlon Mack got hurt. There's this debate about uh, how much Marlon Mack is going to be used and how much Jonathan Taylor was going to be used. My theory was Jonathan Taylor was going to be, you know, second on the depth chart, third on the depth chart. Yeah, that's fine. But eventually he's going to be so good that he'll eventually get more carries than Marlon Mack. And then just everyone's luck. Marlon Mack gets hurt, and now Jonathan Taylor is expected to be the workhorse back. But me picking Marlon Mack wasn't – me overlooking Marlon Mack was a bad thing. Yeah, okay. I'm not rooting for him to get hurt, but I knew Jonathan Taylor was going to be a factor whether they had Marlon Mack or not. I just had to address that. Jaguars beat the Colts. Gardner Minshew was for real. But uh, the Colts had turnovers. Let the Jaguars in the game. Listen, it is what it is. But watch out for Jonathan Taylor. The kid is nice. So Saquon, poor Saquon. He didn't have that many yards on the ground. Then he had six. He got most of his yards through the air, and most of them came by one play. He has no offensive line, even though they drafted Andrew Thomas. No offensive line whatsoever. He can't go anywhere. But to be fair, because he always kills the Eagles. He always kills the Redskins. He kills the whole NFC East. I think it was more about the Steelers' pass rush in front seven. They are ruthless. I knew that coming in. That's why they were the top-rated defense, because their defense is crazy. Their defense is sick. And on the back end, you got Mika Fitzpatrick. Like, man, come on, man. That That's a tough matchup. You got to give them a little bit of slack. All right, Rodgers is back. Another four touchdowns, of course. But then I heard that the Vikings had a banged-up secondary or young secondary, young inexperienced secondary. It's going to be a long season for them if they're going to have games like that, even though it was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Cam Newton and the Patriots held on. They ran the ball like a mug, and the Patriots – didn't really throw the ball that much. Cam Newton got in a fight with Christian Wilkins. And uh, I don't know who. I think it was Shaq Lawson. Basically, the, the Miami D-line tried to snatch his chain. Maybe they were just trying to grab his shirt. I don't know. It was a lot of trash talking. And I found that entertaining. We'll see how the Patriots do this week against Seattle. I don't know, man. That game plan they had against Miami I don't know if you could do that against Seattle. Just saying. That might be a shootout. Let's see. Uh, I did okay in fantasy. I was 2-2. Two and two. two losses were blowouts. Two losses were blowouts. Uh, on one of my teams, only had 69 points. Nobody showed up except Lamar Jackson. That's the team with Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley. Uh, that, that team didn't show up. Got smoked. That's the team where... I reach for Chase Elliott and the Bears defense, and neither of them did anything. And that's my most important fantasy league. That's the one with my college friends. That's the one with the most trash talk and most bragging rights on the line. And, of course, 0-1. It doesn't look good already. And already one of my friends is trying to trade for Saquon. See, I had a season where... I started like one and four, and everyone came to me with trades, and I just accepted all of them. It got to the point where they started vetoing my trades because I just didn't care. 
This time, I'm trying to keep my players as long as possible. But I'm telling you right now, I get the one and five, one and six, two and five, two and six. I'm I'm trading everybody. I don't care. Or I'll accept all trades. But we're going to give it a few weeks because I think there's still some potential with this team. The two uh, two games I won were, were solid. One of them had 152 points. Hey, my quarterbacks really killed it. Brady, everyone had over 20 points. Four fantasy teams. I just drafted another one. That team, that team should be unbelievable. I got Deshaun Watson. I got Mozart. I got I got Alvin Kamara. That team gonna be loaded. I'm telling you. But anyway, Devontae Adams had 41. So of course with that team, I had 152 points. He killed it. I had Mozart. I had uh Devontae Adams. I had Tom Brady. Man, go ahead, bro killed it you can't win them all in my DraftKings teams I didn't win any money on DraftKings or FanDuel but it's just week one I'm probably gonna play every week hey uh the Browns got smoked 38 to 6 makes me worried because I'm really rooting for Baker Mayfield I really want him to do well so when he comes out and gets blown out by the by your biggest competitor by arguably the best team in the AFC it's not good and everyone's gonna talk trash and everyone's going to say you should be released. And everyone's going to want OBJ to get traded. Then they came back against the Bengals, who they did okay against the Chargers, but they choked because their kicker missed the field goal. That was a shootout. I listened to the whole game on the radio. My entire lift shift, I was out in Waldorf picking up people, and I was listening to the game the whole time. Man, oh man, that was a shootout. No one could stop anybody. And if they did, it was just silly turnovers and mistakes. People are all, even though the Browns won the game, people are saying that Burrow is already better than Baker when Burrow threw twice as many passes. And um, he didn't have any turnovers. I'll give him that. But he threw twice as many passes. Okay? And he doesn't. And his deep ball isn't there. Mostly because he doesn't have any time. At least that's what they said. It was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a game. And, you know, I'm just glad for the Browns that they won, but the critics are still out. The Browns still have to do something. And the critics are going to be out all season because their recipe for success is they got to hand the ball off to Hunt and Chubb. I mean, they just ran for another 100-something yards combined. They ran for 200-something this time. I mean, Chubb had 22 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns, and Hunt had 10 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. If they can run the ball and eliminate the mistakes, they'll be in the playoffs. They'll be in the playoffs. They are a talented team. Defense can't stop anybody, but if their offense can run the ball, control the clock, and keep that terrible defense off the field, the Browns can do something, and hopefully the critics can finally leave Baker alone. Baker is a legend. Baker is a Sooner legend. To me, he can, can't can really do anything wrong, in my opinion. He's that much of a legend to me. I think really highly of him. So I'm really rooting for him to do well. But the critics are getting louder and louder, and everyone has something to say. Everyone has something to say. He has to shut them up. The more they win, the more they'll shut up. But until then, they're going to keep talking. They're going to keep saying you trash. 
He got to keep proving them wrong week by week. Take it week by week. Hey, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Oh, the Cardinals are going to be a problem, by the way. Uh, they beat the 49ers, and I'll get to them versus Washington later. But they beat, yeah. They beat the 49ers. Hopkins had 14 catches over 100 yards. Like, offense is explosive. I don't know about the defense. They're okay. And they got Chandler Jones. So, well, you know, we'll see. See what happens with them. Let's see. So now, okay, real quick. The Big Ten is back. The Big Ten is back, huh? Well, about time. The only problem is I don't want to see that damn Michigan-Ohio State game. It's going to be a joke. Ohio State's going to kill them. And you know what? They're going to build up the hype for two weeks. I already know how this is going to go. They're going to hype it up for two weeks, and then Michigan is going to get slaughtered. I'm not even going to pay attention to it. I didn't fell for it the last four years, and all it, all it results in is Ohio State winning, especially the last two years. No, I want to hear it. Also, another foreshadowing was um, another foreshadowing was seeing Merlin practice while I was doing lift. I was like, oh, they staying ready. And kids were walking around campus. I was like... This is a normal school day. I was like, these guys are back? Really? Like, it's like, other than, you know, them having masks, it looked like business as usual at Merlin. And then sure enough, that night, I find out the Big Ten's back. Well, welcome back. They have an eight-game season. Ends December 19th. I think their only chance of getting in the playoff is Ohio State got to go undefeated. Anybody else go undefeated? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if anyone in their league is capable of going undefeated. Ohio State's the only one. If Ohio State goes 9-0, and I think they'll be in. But it's going to be tough because they're going to, you're going to have to go against, most likely, a 10-1 OU. Most likely, the SEC West runner-up. The SEC East winner or runner-up. They have to go against that every year. And it won't be any different this year. And I don't know how they're going to fare. They're going to have to go 9-0. and If they go 8-1, and they won't be in. It's as simple as that. But let's see what they do. Uh, Pac-12, your move. But then again, no, actually, Pac-12, take your time. We don't care. <laughs> the only thing we wanted to see was Oregon versus Ohio State. That's not going to happen. You're useless now. See you next year. <laughs> yeah all right now now let's do the dc sports carousel okay let's get it you know what i gotta start off with the washington football team listen your team is still trash your team is still trash okay you beat the eagles big deal eagles had a ton of injuries now sure at the beginning of the game, I was kind of surprised. I was like, why is this so easy? The Eagles were doing whatever they wanted. It was 17-0. I left the house, right? No, actually, I watched the Redskins score. I uh, watched the football team score seven points. I was like, cool. Okay, I expected them to score one time. Yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, I started listening on the radio. And I was like, okay, still a close game. It was halftime at this point. Then they score again before I get out the car, 17-14. And then the Eagles just collapsed. They could not do anything on offense. 
And then Carson Wentz threw another pick in their territory, in, in, in the Eagles' territory. Carson Wentz, in the second half, was non-existent. He played awful. It didn't help that he had eight sacks. It, there was eight sacks, and he was under pressure, and it messed up his decision-making and timing. Offensive line injuries. Yeah, sure, we could blame that, but Carson needs to play better. Need better play Carling, and we need to we needed to quit because um, I'm an Eagles fan. I don't know why I keep saying we, but here you go. Um, you needed to stop giving Washington short fields. Dog, Washington didn't do anything when they didn't start in Eagles territory. They only scored when they started in Eagles territory. And even then, they struggled. Even then, they got in plenty of third down, fourth downs. And there was this one fourth down play where they ran a sweep. It was definitely stopped. Jannard Avery, right there, right? He gets pancaked by Terry McLaurin. Make that make sense. You are a DN. Mind you, Vinnie Curry and Graham were out the game. Barnett's out the game. So he's our second, third string DN. How do you get pancaked by a receiver, bro? On fourth down, you cannot, first of all, you cannot get blocked. Second of all, you get pancaked by a receiver. I was just upset. I was just upset. And then I think Zach Ertz dropped that ball. I think they were down, um, it was down seven or ten at this point, and Zach Ertz dropped the fourth down pass, and then the game's over. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I still don't think Washington's that good. They benefited from a lot of short fields from the Eagles. Their offense, they hyped up these running backs. The running backs are just okay. Terry McLaurin didn't really do anything. Logan Thomas is pretty good. I mean, everyone else was non-existent. Yeah, sure, Dwayne Haskins didn't really turn over the ball. But, I mean, other than that, he was just okay. Okay, they have a great pass rush. They have an inconsistent secondary. They have a decent linebacking core. Offensive line is... It's decent, but first half they were getting shredded. Receivers, they only have Terry McLaurin. That last game just confirmed that. Their tight ends can might be a surprise, but eventually they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything. Dog, do not hype this team. Do not hype this team. They are still not that good. It's just the Eagles were bad. It's the Washington wasn't good. The Eagles were just bad. Do not hype this team. You are setting them up for failure. You are setting them up for 4-12, and 5-11, and because they're going to be overconfident, and they're going to play the Cardinals, and they're going to lose. They're going to lose because Kyler Murray ain't going to be playing, bro. Kyler Murray will have a better offense line, and he's not just going to sit in the pocket. He's going to give the Washington defense – because he's going to be running around and then not going to be able to tackle him. Then they won't be able to stop Kenyon Drake. I mean, the Eagles only had 64 yards rushing. We ain't even talk about that. Oh, my God. Washington football team, you better watch yourself. Uh, you should be done celebrating about now because um this week ain't going to be easy. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to struggle against the Browns. You might beat the Browns. You might. You're not beating the Rams. You're not beating 
who else? You're d- definitely not beating the Ravens. You you might beat the Giants. You might, but you can't stop Saquon. Don't get too hyped now. Don't don't gas them up, y'all. Don't gas them up, please. Because they're going to be set up for failure, and they'll be the second to last team in the NFC East. And then they're going to watch the Eagles and the Cowboys in the playoffs. I'm telling you this right now. They have a good pass rush, but that's about it. I'm not hating. I'm just telling you what I saw. I'm very encouraged by the Eagles. I think they'll be fine. I think their defense played great. Their offense did not help them out at all. So I'm telling you right now, Redskins, whatever your name is, y'all in trouble. Just saying. So the Mystics broke my heart. They had a double-digit lead against the great Skylar Diggins, Diana Taurasi, Brittany Griner didn't play. I think she's hurt. Whatever. They had an 11-point lead, 12-point lead the entire second quarter, part of the third. Then they gave up a 17-0 run. And what I see during that 17-0 run from the Mercury, they were making everything. Skylar was making shots. Diana Taurasi was making shots. Their, um, Their center was picking and popping and making shots. I was like, come, they can't miss. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Mercury cannot miss. And on offense, Lilani Mitchell will dribble around for like 12 seconds. Then she'll pick and roll with Emma Miesemann. Then she'll get trapped. Then they'll pass the ball to the wing players. They'll shoot the ball, get blocked, or throw up a terrible shot. That was their offense, I swear to God, for like 10 minutes. However... Clutch plays by Emma Mieseman and Lilani Mitchell with some of them threes. And and Maisha um, Hines-Allen, she had a clutch three. That that steal and layup by Emma Mieseman to go up two, oh, my God. I thought that was it right there. Then they made a few defensive plays. The key play was this. The Mystics were up one. Skylar Diggins drove. Two people on her back. Blocked. Blocked. And then they turned the ball over. We got the rebound, right? Oh, whatever happened. I think it was a shot and we got the rebound. They fouled us. Up one. I was like, yes, got this. All you got to do is make two free throws. And then they got to hit a game-tying three. Man, what? I look up and see they're only up two. I missed the free throws for some reason. Um, I was like, what? They missed the free throw? I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus. It just gave me anxiety because I know who's on the other side. You got Skylar Diggins. You got uh, Dan Taurasi. You got two really clutch players on that side of the court. I mean, and Skylar Diggins, she had, she just had a three-pointer, a game-time three-pointer that just went viral. So you know what she about. You know what she about. Sure enough, they inbound the ball. Skylar Diggins gets trapped. Okay, I think Diana Taurasi got the ball. She passes it to Skylar. She gets trapped. I thought she was going to throw up some nonsense shot. Instead, the pass kind of curves around to the wing, right? To to No, to the corner. Shea Petty's wide open. I was like, how does she get that wide open? And that's another thing I saw in that game. Way too many kickouts and wide open people on the perimeter. They could have easily lost by 10, but the the Mercury got cold for like a minute or two and let the Mystics back in it. 
But Shea Petty was wide open, and I was like, oh, please don't make this. Halfway, halfway down, the shot was halfway down. I was like, she's going to make this. She made it, and I was like, no. I woke up my mom. They made me wake up my mom. God damn it. I was, man, I was hurt, boy. I was more hurt about that than the Clippers and the Nuggets. That kind of helped me deal with the Clippers and the Nuggets nonsense. Because it was like, oh, I was so worried about that game. I was pissed. Because the Mystics had it. They were supposed to win that game. They had played some of their best basketball. Without all them people, without freaking... Natasha Cloud and Della Don. They didn't have him. They didn't have none of those people. They didn't have uh, Ariel Powers. They were missing all them people. And they were still two seconds away from going to the next round. And they would have played the Sparks, who they just beat. They might would have beat them. I think the Buck would have stopped at L.A. At, not L.A., but Las Vegas because they blew us out twice. Asia Wilson's the MVP or whatever. That would have been tough. I, we probably would have lost. But the fact they would have got that far, that would have been the semifinals. That would have been great. Instead, heartbreak. Pain. Only pain. So now let's get to the Nationals. They're done. They're finished. They're finished. Now, they did beat the Tampa Bay Rays three out of four. It should have been all four. Or maybe it should have split because, well, um... They lost the first game at Tampa. They swept D.C. They swept in D.C. They beat them twice in D.C. They lost the third game in Tampa. The fourth game, uh, Tampa was up one nothing. We hit a two-run homer. And for whatever reason, I think this is just the 2020 Nationals. They give up another ninth-inning home run, and it's tied up. Thank God Luis Garcia hit that two-run homer in extra innings to win that game then take three out of four against the Rays. The problem is you keep losing to the Braves. Keep lo- You lost too many games versus the Braves. You didn't win a single game versus the Phillies, and, you know, you got to play them again very soon. Um, they got a doubleheader against the Marlins tonight. Uh, they're probably going to split that. They split most of their series. It, it's It's grind time. It's 13 games left. And they're still five games back of the wild card, the extended wild card. It's not even a regular wild card. It's an extended wild card, and they're still two games back. Are you kidding me, bro? That's crazy. That's crazy. So, basically, they're going to have to go 10-3 and three to even have a chance. To be for certain that they get in, they're going to have to go 12-1 and one or 11-2. and two. <clears throat> That'll put them between 28 and 30 wins. Like I said, in order to get in the playoffs, they need at least bare minimum 28 wins. Did I not say that? They're not going anywhere. They haven't beat the Phillies all year. They split with the Mets. They split with the Marlins. Those are their opponents. They're not going to beat them. The season's over. Come back next year when we got Starlin Castro, Zimmerman, and maybe an extra free agent and a draft pick. Come back next year. It's over. It's a wrap. Disappointing. Very disappointing, but look at the circumstances. We Listen, it was unusual. Race to the finish, 60 games, pandemic, no fans. 
Whatever. This just chalk this one up as an L, bro. It's a wrap. It's over. It's over. All right. Now, now here we go. Now it's time for the sooner schooner. So OU first round knockout of Missouri State, who has to be one of the worst teams in FBS. 31 points in the first quarter. 31 nothing first quarter. I was like, God damn. Did we have to do them that, that bad? You know what's crazy? OU had less than 100 yards rushing. I don't know if that's troubling. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it, it's, it's definitely maybe, – maybe it is some cause for concern that they could only run for 80 yards or something like that against – this terrible Missouri State team. It beat them 48 nothing. It was 34 nothing at halftime. It was a joke. I mean, Spencer Rattler in one half, 290 yards, four touchdowns, 14 for 17. So even even Tanner Mordecai and Chandler Morris got some action. Second and third string quarterbacks. Wow. Charleston Rambo had two touchdowns. His mom liked another one of my tweets. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. He got a really supportive mom. That's that's really cool. Yeah, let's see what happens. They got K-State next. I see why all the OU experts were overlooking Missouri State because there was nothing to worry about. <laughs> they absolutely killed them. So K-State has not beaten OU two times in a row since the 90s. Listen, I'm going to take that to the bank. Now, unfortunately, when I was a student at OU, I'd watch K-State beat OU twice. And the next year, every time, the next year, we'd kill them the very next year. So, hopefully, the same thing happens here. It's in Norman. Should win, but I don't know. Can we run the ball? Can we play defense? Now, yeah, sure, Kansas State lost to Arkansas State. But I'm going to tell you this right now, they are way better than Missouri State. Now, they got two weeks to prepare for Kansas State. Hopefully, that helps because we can't lose to them two years in a row. And if we're trying to make the playoffs, we got to beat everybody. And I mean everybody. Everybody got to get it. Everybody. So, I want to I wanna prepare for K-State. I want to see what they're all about. I want to take another look at that. Uh, Arkansas State game. It's probably all over YouTube, so I'm going to go watch it. And I'll hopefully I can come up with a better preview next week. And that's where we're at. And that's and that was a short ride on the Sooner Schooner. And, well, honestly, after every freaking OU touchdown, the Sooner Schooner rides only like 30 seconds anyway. <laughs> so, so it works out. <laughs> All right, man. So now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. And this time we have college basketball, 1984 Georgetown, Georgetown Hoyas versus the 1997 Arizona Wildcats. This is uh, paying homage to John Thompson and Lute Olson, who recently passed away. Uh, Rest in peace to those guys. These were their two most memorable teams, their national championship teams. I didn't do too much research on these guys. I did just a little bit, just enough to make this dang segment. But here you go. 
So you got John Thompson, Lou Olson, legendary coaches, coach for years. Patrick Ewing, he averaged 16 and 10. This is the 84 Georgetown team. They had Patrick Ewing, averaged 16 and 10. Uh, David Wingate, 11 and 3. Michael Jackson, uh, averaged 10 points, 4 assists. Bill Martin, averaged 8 points, 5 rebounds. You had Reggie Williams, Bill Martin, uh, Horace Brodnax. And Michael Graham, who was 6'11". No, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was 6'9". Ralph Dalton was 6'11". He only averaged like three points a game. But when I saw him against Houston, I was like, who the heck is that? They just breed giants on this team? Lord Jesus. When you look, and Patrick Ewing's seven feet. When you look at this team, the first thing you notice is their length. And also, how slow they play. They play so slow and methodical. I don't know if it's the Princeton-style offense or whatever, but they play so methodical. And, you know, as a team, they shot 50% for the whole year. That's incredible. You know, that's because they got that patient offense, and they, they get a lot of buckets at the rim. They don't shoot a lot of jump shots. I mean, you don't have to when you got all that length and you got the arguably the best center in college basketball. Of course, you don't have to shoot that many jump shots. Huh. That zone is lethal. Uh, they were young. There no seniors. Uh, Patrick Ewing was a junior. We all know what happened when he was a senior. They freaking choked against Villanova. I mean, what Villanova did well is kind of what Arizona could do to them. As well. But I'll get to that later. Uh, let's see. That didn't make sense, by the way. But Arizona, the things that, Vill- that gave Georgetown trouble in 85 with Villanova it's kind of what Arizona's good at too. They they could shoot. <laughs> they could they could shoot. They can spread the floor. Um, Georgetown in '84 were Biggie's regular season and tourney champs. They only lost three games. Uh, they had a head scratcher against SMU in the uh, second round of the NCAA tournament, 37 to 36, um, in SMU. Their bench players literally had no points. Not a single bench player from SMU scored. Only one person had double digits on their team. And they almost beat the almighty Georgetown. How in the world does someone have footage of this game? Because I want to make sense of that. That's ridiculous. However, from there, from there, Georgetown blew everybody out. They blew out everybody. And none of the games were close. They were all double digits. Even against Houston, they came out slow. I guess they got they got down double digits in the first half. Uh, Houston came out firing. They, like I said, if you can shoot jumpers against Georgetown, you'd give them problems. Because the problem, the thing about Georgetown is they got all that length. It's very hard to score in the paint against them especially when you got Patrick Ewing guarding the rim. Like, very, very hard to get shots at the rim. That's what Houston did at first, but then once once Georgetown, um, once Georgetown kind of settled down defensively, they really gave Houston problems, and they ran them out of the gym. Point blank period. So here you go. Now, Arizona. Oh, by the way, um, Georgetown was losing to SMU at halftime. That's a head scratcher. That's a head scratcher, too. A team that only had one NBA player. So anyway, but that's what happens in the NCAA tournament. 
I mean, even Arizona. Arizona was down double digits to, uh, let me see, check my notes here, to South Alabama and College of Charleston. Are you, they're not even, bro, they are mid-major teams. They gave Arizona a lot of trouble. But Arizona, this is who they have. They have a freshman, Mike Bibby, who was a high school All-American. He averaged 13, 5, and 3. They had Mal Simon, of course, who had 30 in the championship game. He averaged 18, 4, and 4. You got Michael Dickerson, who was a junior. He's like 6'5. He averaged 18, 4, and 1. You got Jason Terry as a sophomore. He had a great NBA career. He averaged uh, 10, 2, and 2. Uh, you had A.J. Bramley, who made the NBA. He's their, I guess, their tallest big man. He is 6'10. So then you have Bennett Davidson, who is a forward. He averaged nine and six. They lost nine games, but they got a four seed because their strength of schedule is five. They had the fifth hardest schedule. So they played in the tough conference. They were able to win enough games to get them a high seed. And it paid off. I mean, after they lost to these no names, uh, they upset Kansas. I think they had Paul Pierce. They upset UNC, they upset Kentucky. These were teams probably picked all picked to win at some point. Like I'm pretty sure everyone picked them to win. And even today, those are the three like powerhouses. They beat all three of them. I'm sure that's making someone very happy right now. They were third in points per game, 83, 83 points a game. They were tenth in field goals allowed. They were eighth in field goals made. They were 123rd in three points attempted. They were 77th in three points made. They were 226th in points allowed. That size, they don't have no size. They don't have no size, bro. That's one thing about them, though. They don't have size, but they spread out the floor very well. They got really good scoring guards. They got one coming off the bench, Jason Terry. See, that's what they have that Georgetown don't have. See, Georgetown got all them length, that length, and they got bodies coming at you. And Arizona just got all these, just got these really good guards that can take over a game and can speed up the pace and the tempo and that can shoot really well. Uh, surprisingly, Georgetown was better at the free throw line, uh, 66%, Arizona 65 Damn. But Arizona, they're small. They spread the floor. They got great guard play, like I said. They... Uh, watching Mike Bibby on the fast break was incredible. Uh, against against Kentucky, they were making clutch three after clutch three. Like that was a good, that was a good game to watch. I, I just can't believe they were behind by ten in their first tournament games. Oh, and Georgetown was forty six in points scored, but they were twelfth in points allowed. They only allowed fifty seven points a game. You know why? Because you can't score on them inside. They got all that length. And they slow the game down on offense. Anyway, let's get to the game. So, from the start, Georgetown slowing the game down. The game is being ran at their pace. They take an early lead, 20-10. to 10. Uh, Patrick Ewing catches two alley-oops, two highlight alley-oops. They have no answer for him. So, now they got to double-team him because Patrick Ewing has 10 points 
in the first 10 minutes. Georgetown controls the game. Michael Jackson's having a tough time guarding Mike Bibby, and Wingate is having a tough time with Simon. But it's okay because they can't get to the rim, and Arizona is a cold shooting, and they go into the half down 15. They are down 36-21. Low-scoring game. It's in Georgetown's favor. And then second half, they make adjustments. Uh, Arizona gets more up-tempo. Michael Dickerson gets in the game. He starts scoring. He scores 11 points in a half. And then, all of a sudden, it's a tie game. It's 60-60. to 60. It's 60-60 to 60 with four minutes to go after some clutch shooting by Mike Bibby and Jason Terry. Clutch shooting by those guys. The Arizona bigs are absolutely no factor at all. They've been choked out on the boards. They can't score. And it's just been a rough game. Uh, Patrick Ewan doing his thing. At this point, he has 20 and 12. 60-60. So now Michael Jackson makes a rare three in the 63-60. Miles Simon comes back, comes back, step back, jumper at the at the elbow, 63-62. And then, then you know, Georgetown slows the pace down again, passes around right before the shot clock ended. Uh, Patrick Ewing behind the back pass to Bill Martin. He slams it, and now it's 65-62. Mike Bibby hits a three, and it's 65-65. Two minutes ago, um, Michael Jackson makes another bucket, and it's 67-65. And then Arizona misses a bunch of threes. They can't close the gap. They can't close the gap. David Wingate gets fouled, hits two free throws, and that's pretty much the game. Georgetown wins. 69-65. 69-65. Their length was too much. Arizona had to shoot too many outside shots. And they're they're not really an efficient team. So Georgetown was too much in the end. 69-65. And that's it for the hypothetical game of the episode. And that's always the end of it. So you know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.